Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of According to Alan Morgan. I picked this song just for you today before you walked <laughs> in here. Um, but I am joined with Morgan Geralimos, who is a lawyer. Do you want to say hello? Hi. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I really wanted you to come in here because you are my lawyer, and we talk a lot of like personal conversations that I think are private, but it's just like always super informational and educational. And I think that it's a really important topic for a lot of people to hear. Yeah, I agree. So I'll try not to like give away my stuff too okay. much. Okay. Cause like I, that's my natural instinct is to just be like, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, here's what my situation is, but I mean, this is public, so I probably won't go there. Okay. I'll rein you in. Okay. So do you want to tell us, tell the viewers a little bit about your background? Like give us, give us the, 180 characters or less of like where you came from, what you do, and what you really like love doing as a lawyer. Okay. Um, so I am born and raised in Crown Point. Let's go. Go yeah. Bulldogs. Go Bulldogs. <laughs> it's a great day to be a Bulldog. Um, and I, after I graduated from high school, I went to IU Bloomington and majored in business uh, from the Kelly School of Business and then came home after that. And decided I wasn't done learning, so then I went to law school at Valpo, Valparaiso Law, um, spent three years there, got my law degree, and simultaneously got my MBA. So it's kind of a crazy three years. Um, after that, I started working, and... So let me ask you this, as a lawyer... Yeah. How hard do you, are you, like, is your social game in college? Because I feel like it's a really tough major... Are you still like going out during the weekends and doing stuff? Like, like in law school or in college? Because those are two very different. Okay. Uh, law school. Yeah. Just, just studying nonstop? Yeah. I mean, I feel like people in law school still went out and had fun and had a lot of friends. And, you know, it was Valpo. So a lot of Frankenhouse and... Duffies. Duffies. <laughs> a nice, lot. Nice. But I still lived in Crown Point, so I commuted. Oh. So it wasn't as fun for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I would drive to Valpo in the morning and then go back to Crown Point at night. And then sometimes also go back to Valpo again at night because my MBA classes were at night. So it's kind of like law student by day, business student by night. That's fun. Awful. So when yeah, you, my social life was zero. <laughs> so when you did go to Franklin House, did you ever do the karaoke? Okay, because no. I do know people that work there, and I would have tried to find some footage of that. No, you will find nothing. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Very lawyery of you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so now, you, you know, you get out of, you pass your bar exam, you're feeling good about things. <clears throat> yeah, so I'm in my third year of practice. I still live in Crown Point with my husband and my daughter, and I am at a law firm called Odrobnak and Novacek. Um, it's a crazy mess of a law firm name. Um, and we are in Cherville right now, but we are building a new building in Crown Point. So hopefully early 2023, we'll be in there. Let's go. And yeah, that so um, law firm you have is also all females, right? It is all females. Which is really cool. It is super cool. But I feel welcomed inside the building. Oh, yeah. Is it that female power? Is like Spice Girls everywhere? No. <laughs> no, it's actually a really great welcoming energy. Um, I'm sure it smells awesome. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's really sweet, really great. Um, a lot of hardworking women. There's, it's just a really great environment. Everyone's really supportive of each other. Um, a lot of moms. So they understand the the need for flexibility sometimes. And yeah, it's a, it's a great working environment. I love my job. That's fun. Yeah, it is fun. So you deal with a lot of estate planning. Yeah. So our firm is an elder law firm. Okay. So we're kind of niche, I guess, in that aspect. So we do estate planning, like you said, um, Medicaid, guardianship work, and probate. So all things that are kind of planning for death and administration after death. Wow. Yeah. But it is, you know, you're working with people that love and are trying to care and provide for elderly people too. So there's a sense of you feel like you're really helping people along some of the hardest times of their lives. For sure. And that seems to be like the theme I'm sure when you see a lot of people is that like, well, at least the stigma that I have is that most people don't really think about estate planning or guardianship um, too much because it's like, we're never going to die. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's a huge mental hurdle you have to get over, I think, to get yourself in a headspace to start really planning about, you know, what's going to happen to your assets, your kids. Um, but uh, so part of so that's a stigma I think I was telling you, but I wanted to talk about, which is um, one, I think that people think you have to have some accumulation of wealth in order to create an estate plan. Um, and also that, you know, you're really just, you really just need a will or there's this, you know, misconception that, oh, you just, an estate plan is just a will. And that's absolutely not true. I mean, a lot of it is planning for after death and what's going to happen to all of your stuff. Um, but it's not all about the money. It's more so about decision-making authority. Yeah. Like we were talking about, I have two young kids. And they're four and two. And if I were to die and my wife were to die, um, what would happen? And I never really think about that that much because I just don't think I have to. Right. Yeah. Well, nobody does. No, no, no. Or wants to. But it'd be really nice to have that stuff figured out. But before we get like crazy into this topic, I mm-hmm. do have some reads I have to do. Okay. Do you go to Prime? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Okay. So for right now, between November 1st and November 31st, if you spend $50, you get $10 off. No way. You just got to say local 219. How fun is that? Super fun. <laughs> so, Remind me of that later. <laughs> yeah, done, done. Um, another really cool one is um, I want to give a shout out to Crown Point Eye Care. Do you know Jovan? Mm-hmm. Awesome guy. Mm-hmm. Um, gave me my glasses, which I feel like everybody since I've been wearing them makes me, seems to think that I look way smarter. Yeah, I can see that for sure. <laughs> I'm feeling it right now. Yeah, you look brilliant. I have East Coast vibes all day. <laughs> And you can too, listeners. <laughs> right now you can get 20% off all Gucci sunglasses in there. And he is such a nice guy. Like he gave me a free eye exam. I don't know if you're going to get a free eye exam if you're listening to this, but he's an awesome guy. And then I have one more here that I've got to do and I just don't exactly remember it. Um, okay. So do you like the lighthouse? I love the lighthouse. So Shane is a friend of mine. He's the general manager there. Awesome guy. I was there today for a big shoulders luncheon. And um, 
he's their, their event space is absolutely beautiful. I think it fits up to like 250 to 300 people and it's a great place for holiday parties. So if you do get an opportunity, definitely book that room. A lot of people forget about it. I think venues are like a tough thing mm-hmm. that people don't remember to do. It's like, we're, like you usually in it for like what, like Christmas parties and weddings. Um, I'm actually going to a bridal shower there this weekend. No way. Way. So this marketing's already working. Yeah. <laughs> nice. You're welcome. <laughs> so bridal showers, yeah. weddings, um, birthday parties. Is that a possibility over there or no? Sure. Why not? Yeah. I mean, if you want to throw a banger. Yeah. With some great food and drinks. Yeah. So definitely go through their website, um, email their general manager through the website or give a phone call and book your holiday party there. So back to guardianship, Morgan. (laughs) Well, I think we want to avoid guardianship. Not the topic, but the entire legal proceeding of a guardianship. So what that is, is if someone becomes incapacitated, you would have to essentially go to court and get appointed as their legal guardian in order to access any of their financial assets and also make health care and medical decisions on their behalf. Right. Because I think when, when I started kind of like filing all my paperwork for my LLC, mm-hmm. one of the questions I asked you is like, do I need to put my wife on this stuff? Because what happens if I die and I don't? And then you were like, oh no, like what are the rules of that? Do you well, know what I'm saying? I think a business interest is kind of different than what you're talking about. Okay, personal interest though. Like if so if personal I die, interest. I don't have so, a business. So to avoid guardianship, which is not death, that's just incapacity. Okay. You create a power of attorney. So everyone should have a power of attorney. And why is that important? In layman's terms, like I'm a third grader. Yeah, it's important so that someone has the authority to transact business on your behalf in the event that you're unable to do so. So there's powers of attorney, which is kind of the financial component. And then there's advanced medical directives or healthcare power of attorney so that they can make healthcare decisions on your behalf. So there are two separate documents. You know, there's the financial side and then the health side, which are super important so that you have someone in place. Right and on. they don't have to be the same person. Really? Yeah. So how do you, so I guess, how do you like differentiate between the two? So, you know, for financial power of attorney and also for advanced medical directives, we always recommend the spouses first, mm. right? But maybe your sister is a nurse and she would be a great healthcare power of attorney. So maybe wow. you put her on as a secondary there, but maybe she's not so great at money. <laughs> so then maybe for your financial power of attorney, you put, you know, somebody else that you super trust. Gotcha. Yeah. So let so I think I think I feel like I'm skipping forward a little bit for Anya. Okay. Do you feel that way? Sure. Okay. Okay. So let's <laughs> talk about okay. So me and my wife, we have two kids. Yeah. We're we're going into your office. Okay. So what what's your, what's kind of like the vibe? Like what do you like? How do you kind of like bring me to? Yeah. Okay. So you call and you say, I feel like I need to make an estate plan. What are, you know, should I, can I get on your calendar? So we send you out a personal information booklet for you to fill out all this information about, you know, names, addresses, um, and all of your assets. So we kind of ask you to go through and name, you know, where you bank, 
and name your investment accounts and how they're titled, who holds title to them. Are they jointly held between you and your spouse or is it just you? Do you have beneficiary designations? Um, And it's a really good exercise to put on paper, I guess, where everything is. Sure. And for our older clients that do an estate plan, we also think it's a really great exercise because if something does happen to you and your kids come to us and say, you know, where do I even start? I have no idea what mom and dad even had. We have a copy of this that they filled out, you know, at some point in time that kind of lays out every account that they had with account numbers and how they're held and who to call. And it's a really great starting point to to start an administration that way. Super awesome. So now we're getting down to like, here is the list of things. It gives you something to at least know where the person's standing. And like, right. like you said a little bit earlier, like it doesn't matter how much money you have. It's really just about right. putting things in motion at all. Right. And you're listing out, you know, for you, you would put that you have two minor kids, their names, their date of birth. So that when you come into my office for an actual estate plan consultation, we're walking through all of that. And that can prompt me to say, okay, well, they have minor kids. So we need to talk about, you know, guardianship over, you know, who would get custody of those kids. And on the flip side, if something, God forbid, happened to you and your wife, and you have, you know, all of these assets that you would want to go to them or, you know, an insurance policy, we would suggest putting those into a trust fund for them where you can set age limitations so that, you know, they can get a third of that when they're 20, a third at 25 and maybe balance at 30 or whatever works for you or you think makes sense. But in the interim, maybe they need you know, they only should access that money for health, education, maintenance, and support at the discretion of the trustee. And maybe the trustee, whoever you designate in charge of your kids' money while they're minors or until those distribution ages, isn't the same person as who you have listed as guardian. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so those are all kind of considerations that we would go through as well. Yeah, because I, like you said, we were talking off air, but like if I got a lump sum of money at the age of 20, like I'm going crazy. Right. Your boy's going to every concert that ever existed and I'm throwing ragers. Right. Yeah. Illegal ragers because I'm not even 21 yet. So then I got to like pay someone else to even buy the beer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure was not the purpose of, you know, your parents taking out the policies that you'd be taking right. care of, not so that you could throw, you know, so, bangers. <laughs> so if we're, so if, if, okay, so we filled out the information card. We're talking about if we have two young kids, we're putting together an action plan for their future. Right. Right. Um, at what point does like life insurance play into that? And like, I feel like that's kind of a weird line because it's like, yeah, you're a lawyer who's talking about the financial security of my future, at what point does that dip into being like a semi-financial advisor as well? Or does that kind of like a part, like a similar role? It is not. So we do not provide financial advice or investment advice. Um, we do work with a firm that we kind of can recommend that you use, or you can use, a lot, you know, your own financial advisor. A lot of the times people already have that kind of lined up. So they're already working with them on that. Um, must be nice. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so we don't really delve into that much other than to say, you know, do you have some life insurance? If not, you definitely should. 
especially if you're a younger family, your premiums are usually really cheap. Right on. So even though you may not have or feel like you have a large accumulation of wealth, it's usually a pretty good idea because you can get, you know, a million dollar policy for sometimes less than a hundred bucks a month. Yeah. And which is something that would probably you would know once they fill out the information card. Right. I'm guessing they'd, you'd want to list your life insurance policies under your asset plan. Oh, yeah. Right on. Right. Yeah. So like I know for us, I have a five hundred thousand uh, dollar life insurance. And by the way, that was a weird um, process. Yeah. They had sent a nurse to my office, took my blood, really? all this stuff. Yeah. Turns out I was super healthy. <laughs> <laughs> You're insurable. All this craft beer didn't stop that at all. Um, and so. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so then like I got a, I got a game plan going. And so like, what would you suggest um, a young family? Yeah. Someone with maybe a, a couple that's newly married, maybe a couple that we're already talking about with a couple kids. What would you suggest to them that would kind of like help help get the ball rolling and put them in like a really good place once like the information is there? And let's just say they're starting from scratch. Well, for one, definitely do powers of attorney. Right on. And advanced medical directives. Um, if, you know, and there is no one size fits all for an estate plan. So depending on who's coming in and, you know, what their assets really are, sometimes we do a whole separate living trust. And sometimes you can just do a testamentary trust within your will that at least provides for the main points, right? Like who's going to be the guardians of my kids and who's going to be the trustee over their inheritance um, and I think the goal really is to avoid probate. So probate is the legal proceeding that you go through if you pass and you have assets over a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars that are just in your name alone. So it's always a good idea to have things, if not joint between spouses. So like all of your bank accounts. And I get that. Some people want to have some separation or they have their finances set up or their bill pay set up in different ways. But a really good exercise would be to at least go to the bank and put a death beneficiary on all of those accounts. Hmm. Because as long as there's a beneficiary designation or if things are held jointly, it avoids probate. And what happens to your money if you don't have any of that? Like you're saying, like you're going to probate, $100,000 assets. So you pass, you have no estate plan, no will. Nothing. And there's assets that weren't did not have um weren't held jointly or didn't have beneficiary designations nope okay so then your wife's coming in and saying you know i need to gain access to my husband's accounts you know i have to pay the mortgage and um things like that so then we're going to court and petitioning the court to appoint her as personal representative of your estate it's a lengthy process. It's like, what's the average length? I'm sure that dif- differentiates, but like, was it like six to months to a year? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So like if you're in hard up and like one person's been taking care of the finances, that person goes down. Yeah. You are kind of screwed. A little bit. It's tough. And then you're wow. kind of at the mercy of, of the court and their schedule. And then also you're losing all of your privacy because you're putting on paper and filing as a public document with the court, all of the assets that your husband had that you need to get access to. And, and so like now just, everyone knows what, you know, what you had and. And what's that process like? Cause like I have a secret baseball card account. Okay. How would my wife know about that? Do you know what I'm saying? Like what's, what's out there? Like how do you even find out those assets if you don't know? Right. 
I mean, it's not so secret. I'm just literally saying it out loud right. in public, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, th- there is no like best practices way of doing that. You no just do way. your best of going through their stuff, hoping they kept a list somewhere. I always recommend going, you know, for people that didn't have a spouse, if they had a separate residence, get your, their mail forwarded so you can get bank statements and things like that. Um, you can pull their tax returns from prior years to see what Holy they had Holy cow. So there's really no answer. No, it's tough. And you're also grieving wow. and you're trying to go through this process. So it's really emotional and it's not fun, so to speak. So the goal is to eliminate that altogether right, right. by just doing an estate plan um, so that you can dictate and also so that you can say where you want all of your stuff to go. Like maybe you want your baseball stuff to go to your son. So yeah. You could put that on paper or maybe you don't. <laughs> I want to bury You can with say, me. you know, I want <laughs> my estate to be split 50 50 between my two kids, things that aren't held joint with your spouse. Or if one spouse goes and you're the remaining one, you can say, you know, I want things to be split in this manner. But also I want my wedding ring to go to this person and I want, you know, my coin collection to go to this person. And you can make specific bequests that way as well. But you at least you have the power to do that. If you don't, the state of Indiana decides where your stuff goes. So when you say that, so like. Are you saying that, so does the government get any money out of that situation? If they don't, like, let's just say your bank account, no, no one claims it for X amount of time. Where does does that money just stay there forever? No, I mean, eventually it would go to unclaimed property. Crazy. So that's pretty much like it's up for grabs to like whoever the government, like whoever, is it the government? Would they get that money? I don't even know. I mean, eventually it would default to the state. But crazy after a long period of time. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So is there anything you else you want to add to like the young couple at this point that you think that would be really smart? Because like also like well, for the young couple, I think it's about setting up a plan for your minor kids. That's huge. I think at all costs you want to avoid if you and your spouse, you know, tragically pass in a car accident and you've got two young kids at home. The last thing that you want is for your mom to be in court battling with your spouse's sister over who gets the kids. Right. That's awful. And I feel like that's just another reason to fracture a family dynamic. Right. Yep. Also, you know, do a power of attorney because if something happens to you and let's say you're super close with your family, you would think that the spouse would be able to make all of those decisions. But again, what you don't want is for you to be laid up in a hospital bed and outside your spouse fighting with your mom because your mom's saying, that's my baby. I know what you would want. And I, this is what we should do. And your spouse saying, no, I think we should go a different way medically. Yeah. Or if you, do you watch House of Dragons? No. No? I have no time. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Literally the last episode is just about that. Really? Guy's on his deathbed. He already set it all up that he wanted his kid to get become like the next king or, or daughter. Uh-huh. As soon as he's on his deathbed, he's, he like whispers to his wife like, yeah, I want this person to be it. Next thing you know, two episodes are crazy. I know. And it happens all of the time. All the time. Yeah. It's actually really sad. I think, you know, in my experience, it's all, if, if everyone's not getting along, it, there's always going to be bumps in the road, whether you had an, a plan or not. I mean, mm. someone's going to feel 
you know, slighted if mom and dad picked me to be the trustee or the personal representative and not you, you know, there's there's a lot of that or a lot of, you know, if there's a disinheritance, you know, they have four kids and they want one kid. They felt like they did so much for them during their lifetime that they didn't give them an equal share or they cut them out altogether so there's things like that. How many times off? Like, how often are you in a room of just anger? As a lawyer, is it like all the time? <clears throat> no, because you have to have like some boundaries. So I, if someone's coming to us for a trust administration or probate, we do our best to only meet with the person in charge. I won't open the meeting room to seven siblings. Nice. We're only ones in charge because you're just asking for it yeah. <laughs> at that point. <laughs> Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And even though, and even sometimes you get like co-trustees that you're talking to or, you know, two people that are relatives and dad just had a stroke and they both think that they should be guardian. I mean, there's always some sort of friction in the room. So it's just kind of trying to navigate that and being very clear. Yeah. And like super tough because like you have a sister. Yeah. I have a brother. And like. And I have a brother. And you have a brother. Yeah. I don't think I've ever met him. Have yeah. I? No, he's um, in Wisconsin. Oh, that's why. Yeah. But it's like one of those things that like, it's weird because when those type of family decisions, and I can only relate to it so much with my dad, mm-hmm. but it's like you ignore so much about your family dynamic. But then like, as soon as something like that happens, it's like your entire life of knowing that person is now inside your ju- your judgment, mm-hmm. which isn't fair to either person. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's like that, uh, that, that tension that uh, it's like, it's palpable and I can almost feel it. You saying that yeah, without even being in the situation right now. Yeah. Yeah. Tough. It can, it can be uncomfortable at times for sure, but it's always easier when there's a plan in place and you're just carrying out that person's wishes. Hell yeah. So like your probably best day is like, you already got it all set up and then you're calling the people that need to be called in. And it's like, here it is. Yeah. And everyone's like loving it. High fives all around. We're out of the room. We're feeling good. Yeah. It doesn't always go that way. (laughs) (laughs) Or like never. (laughs) But I think most people in my experience do respect for the most part what, you know, their loved one's wishes were. I do think that there's a level of respect that people generally have for that. That's cool. Yeah. They might not like it. Or they think that they should be in charge or, but that just goes to show how important a plan is because if there is no named executor or trustee, then they're in court fighting with each other over who should be in charge. You know, it's, it's funny cause like you're saying this and like, I think that like what's really cool about it with as like a married person mm-hmm. is that it gets you and your spouse a chance to really communicate in a way that you're never normally communicating you know? Right. And it's a really like proactive conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm like almost like thinking now, I, why don't we do that as a family more often? Do you know what I'm saying? No. Like you're you talking about like, you know, someone's passing. Yeah. Right. And then you're, call, you're calling in the guardianship, you're calling in like the, the power of attorney, whatever it is that you've got to bring in to really like, like the, the trustee of the will that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So like you've got these people and you're like divvying out all the assets to the wishes of the person who's either deceased or incapacitated. And, but like that's, that might be the first time they're hearing that. Yeah. 
It might be. Right? So mm-hmm. it's like, I almost feel like it's a really great conversation to have while you're alive. Mm-hmm. So that way it's like, you can almost like get rid of some more of that tension. And I think it's just a really good conversation. Yeah, you mean like for if a set of parents go and get an estate plan done, they make all these decisions to communicate that? Yes, while they're alive. So it's not just like, surprise, your brother's getting it all. Right. (laughs) And you're the one who has to break it to him. Yeah. You know? That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that would clear up a lot of confusion and maybe anger. and. But when you're on the parent side of things, you don't ever think your kids are going to fight each other over that. That's true. So there's a lot of things that you just are never anticipating. I think what's turned my gates is that I'm uh, I turned 40 this year. Yeah. Never thought about dying more. Really? I think that's why I'm so excited about this interview. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's like, there was like a time where I was like, yeah, in 50 years, I'm going to be doing this. Yeah. In 50 years, I'm dead. Like, that's crazy to think about. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's like, and then like we were talking off air too, I dealt with the passing of my dad mm-hmm. and it was just a crazy experience because it was like, um, you know, he died relatively suddenly. It was over about six weeks. He dies the next day. We're at a funeral home trying to figure out how the money's going to get dispersed. And we're not even talking to a lawyer at this point. I mean, we're, right. we're hearing it secondhand through my mom for the most part. And so it's just like, well, how the, how, like, does, I didn't even know does life insurance even, or does 401ks or life insurance even pay for the funeral expense? I didn't know that. And it, it turns out it does. But like you have no idea about any of that stuff. And it's like such like a weird moment. Anybody who's lost a sibling or a, or a family member um, or a parent, I think can really relate. It's just that like there's like a walking dead version of like how you feel mentally a couple weeks after that happens. That like you just, you're not, you're just depressed. You just don't have like a full capacity to think properly. Yeah. You just feel like you're floating. Yeah. You know? So it's really, it's just like crazy to think about, like, even for myself, I don't have any of this stuff planned out. And it's like, that's nuts because nothing's guaranteed tomorrow. And like with my mom's situation, it's like, we don't really have any of this in place for her, you know? And so do you see it a lot of times to where it's like, if a, if a, if a, a, a married couple goes in there, is it a real problem after the first one dies or is it become like a real problem after the second one dies? It depends on their estate plan and how they had things titled. Hmm. So, um, but I guess generally speaking, after the first spouse passes, everything generally goes to the second spouse or is retained by the second spouse. It doesn't really, I guess the plan doesn't, fully go into effect in terms of distribution outside of the married couple until the second spouse goes or passes. Which is where a lot of the, because I mean, there's no decision to be made. The spouse gets it. I think once you're after that, now the decisions are being made. Well, because most things are held jointly as husband and wife, like real estate, um, bank accounts, or, you know, your 401 and life insurance, you have to put a beneficiary. So you're putting your spouse. So it kind of, just goes that way. Um, but crazy. Depends. Yeah. So, so you came prepared with a notepad. I did. Is <laughs> there any points that we're not hitting on that you'd like to talk about? Because I think there's, I mean, just seeing by the sheer amount of words on those notepads, you're just, you're just the most lawyer thing I've ever, I've seen in a long time. <laughs> Since our last meeting. Since our last meeting. <laughs> 
<laughs> which, which, by the way, I mean, I well, know, you, I know you don't dip into the business stuff that much, right? Or do you? Um, not as much anymore. Gotcha. But I mean, you really set us up great, and I want to thank you for that. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I really do help or love helping people, and you know, business formation and things like that are are still things that I do. Um, I just say I would say the bulk of my practice is in elder law and there's so much to say about it. Um, so I guess what I want to communicate in terms of, you know, what an estate plan is, is I, I just want to say, um, coming from someone that is still just kind of getting started in their career, trying to build wealth, trying to raise a family, um, the American dream. Yeah. Right. But still, I'm still in my twenties. Let's go. (laughs) And, um, are you really, Yeah, I'm this entire time I've known you, I felt like you would, I would have put you at like 32 because of my really, um, mature personality. I think it's, be- yes, I think it's because you're a lawyer. <laughs> I just always took it for 30, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I look like I'm in my twenties, right? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Definitively. Yes. That was a quick response. Quick turnaround. <laughs> Bonus points for you. Um, no, but I think what I really wanted to address is um, as an elder law attorney or someone that does estate planning, we do still have a focus on young families. And I really want to be relatable in that way because that's where I'm at too, right? Right on. Um, still growing. And, and so I understand the notion or the misconception around feeling like you have to have this accumulated wealth in order to have an estate plan. But there's two sides of the coin, and it's, one, there is some planning, after-death planning that's involved in terms of, you know, what's going to happen to your minor kids um, or even your adult kids if they are over the age of majority and, you know, there's some issues there or um, in terms of asset distribution or if one person has, you know, a rocky marriage and there's a potential that they could be going through a divorce yeah. or they have a drug problem. Or a creditor issue, things like that, you should definitely go see an estate planning attorney because you probably don't want your assets to be lost to a divorce. Damn. You have it meant for that child, not for, you know, their bankruptcy or their divorce or if they have a drug problem, you maybe want someone else looking over that money for them. You just made me think of something that kind of scared the hell out of me. Student loans, everyone has them. Everyone owes on them. How does that go into play? With what? Like with the balancing of your assets. Does that does that debt also just go directly to your spouse too? No. So that just goes into like, oh, guess we're not seeing that money. Well, so so debt doesn't. Um, so if you have a lot of credit card debt or loans or things like that, it depends on what the debt is, but it doesn't passed down through your estate okay so you can protect it even this way yeah oh that's cool i mean you say yeah like i should have known i have no idea morgan i'm over here just trying to figure it out no no i think it was like (laughs) a a, yeah that's fair it's a fair (laughs) statement but but so i think that what i'm trying to hone in on is that it's not about wealth it's about decision making and who you want to put in those really important roles for yourself if you're unavailable to make medical decisions for you if you can't make them for yourselves 
Um, and then we also have a funeral planning declaration that also helps, you know, diffuse some argument before it starts because maybe you pass away and your family's inherently Catholic or super Catholic and they mm. want to have this huge mass. Whereas your spouse is like, well, we haven't been to church in 12 years. So maybe we just want to do something a bit simpler. So you kind of, you know, diffuse some argument between parents and spouse and things like that too. Oh, that's really cool. Hmm. Yeah. So there's all these other documents outside of just having a will. You can't just have a will. I know. I, I had a stupid question I wanted to ask earlier, but I was like kind of afraid to ask it. What? In the Catholic Church, in particular, it's like the Godfather stuff. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Are you Catholic? Yeah. Okay. So when like, uh, isn't it Godparents? Isn't that what they call them? Yeah. Right? Where like you get the kid baptized and then like you declare the Godmother and Godfather? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like I think it's kind of like under the idea that those people are going to get guardianship if something were to happen. Yeah. So like how does that hold up? It doesn't. <laughs> oh, There's really? There's like no legal bearing on that whatsoever. It's more of a moral. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's not like a written <laughs> like contract. Like you can't go to that person and say, I'm actually the godparent, so they're going to come live with me now. You still have to go to court and get guardianship. Yeah. And you like, know, so if you pass or, if, you know, someone passes and they have minor kids and even though they were baptized and had godparents, those people may feel morally obligated to take care of those minor kids, but they're still going to have to go to court and petition the court for guardianship and hope that nobody else also wants guardianship. If that's not, you know, your brother or another sibling, maybe you had a, your friend step in as godfather or something like that. And your brother's like, well, no, I... I want to take care of that's my blood. And Screw your godfather blood oath in the Catholic yeah, Church. I all, want this. Now they're fighting and wow, your kids are confused and because I think a lot of people just like <coughs> immediately think that's just what's gonna. You know what I'm saying? It's like an, like it's like an like it's communicated, but it's not really communicated. You know, it's a yeah. weird thing. Yeah, was that dumb? No, I've never actually thought about that, but mm. <laughs> yeah, my yeah, coincidentally though my daughter's godmother is also who would be her guardian <laughs> oh nice nice so you did right. think that through yeah we don't have that in the that's christian my, reform that's church my job though yeah that's true <laughs> i'm sure your planning is awesome <clears throat> <laughs> it's in place i mean okay so uh, let me so let me ask you this so at a bare minimum yeah put you know death beneficiaries on your accounts. Yeah, I think that's just a really good practice. Yeah. For sure. But then also go get powers of attorney. <laughs> now, is there like let's is there any chance your kids end up in an orphanage in this situation? Whose kids? I don't know. Um I don't have anything set up. Me and my wife both die in a plane crash. Yeah. No one is like I want to be the guardian. What happens? No one wants to be the guardian? Well, I don't know. I'm, it's hypothetical. I'm going through a total hypothetical scenario. Oh, man. Would that be orphanage? Is it that close to being like normal life to orphanage? Yeah, or foster home. No way. See, if there's anything that was said in this interview that should scare the hell out of somebody to make this happen, that should be it if they have kids. Yeah, but also, I mean, you could also list in your will who you would want to be guardian, and if that person's like, no, thank you, they don't have to. 
Wow. There's nothing that legally obligates them to do that. And see, in my mind... You're just more so saying who you want in place to avoid the situation of multiple people arguing over what you would have wanted. You get to put on paper what you would have wanted. Wow. And I never even thought of them saying no. That's what's crazy about it. It's like so important to communicate this stuff. In my mind, you put it in a will, you put it in the whole thing, it's like done. Right. That doesn't even, yeah, it's crazy. Maybe not. You should probably have a follow-up conversation with those people that, hey, in the event that I pass, are you cool with watching out for my kids? I mean, from like (laughs) Kevin McAllister to Little Orphan Annie in like one day is like the most insane thing ever. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So nothing I can do for you there if no one says, everyone says no, but. Okay. In more situations than not, the scenario is multiple people. Would would be fighting for Yeah, it. and honestly, it's grandparents most of the time. Crazy. That are arguing over who should get their grandbabies. Hmm. Wow. Right. I can see it. I mean, I, I mean, it seems like they're, they love is equal on both sides. So it's like, I don't even, you know. Yeah. It's wild. They might as well just name one. Yeah. But, and I think I kind of mentioned this earlier too, like you should put who you want to be, you know, the physical guardian of your kids and take care of them and, you know. I'm trying to ask you the same question four times to really bring it home. Yeah. <laughs> but, then, but then, you know, you also want, might want somebody else to be in charge of their trust fund. So that sure. that guardian has to go to that person and say, hey, you know, Sally's starting school next week. I need money for clothes and for school supplies and books and then that person can write a check to instead of the same person being in charge of your kids and also their money because you know they there's no checks and balances no one's looking out to make sure that they're not dipping into that for their own benefit wow too so there's lots of considerations but so i think the main point is you want to avoid guardianship proceeding you want to avoid court at all costs right so you want to avoid guardianship and you definitely want to avoid probate because who pays for the court the the deceased person's assets boom so that's like you're already dipping into that for no reason right wild yeah and maybe you're dipping into it more than once because if that person becomes incapacitated you know like I hate to use example, but if your mom, you know, has a stroke or something like that and she doesn't have a plan in place, then either you or your brother is going to court to get guardianship. You're getting hit with a fee there and then she passes and she doesn't have an estate plan in place and you're going back to court for a probate administration. Wow. And like, I think it's even worse because you're playing with, you're not playing with your money. So you're just like, yeah, let's go to court. You know, it's, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Wow. But sometimes you are playing with your own money, though, because if you have beneficiaries fighting, that's not coming out of that person's assets. It's coming out of your own pocket. Gotcha. Yeah. So if you're a beneficiary and you're not the named executor, so to speak, and you're fighting with somebody else and you guys both go get attorneys and that's coming out of your own pocket and that adds up quick. Super quick. Super quick. I mean, I deal with business like legal fees just on normal day to day business. It's like, yeah, I can only imagine what it's like to actually go to trial. Or oh, court. That's yeah. like insane. Any form of litigation is expensive and it's just adds fuel to the fire. And it's really hard hmm. emotionally too. No one wants to deal with that. How much does like a basic, I mean, I know it, I know it, I know it like changes, but 
How much does this normally cost? For an estate plan? For estate plan and getting this stuff into Yeah, like- so like I said earlier, there is no one size fits all for an estate plan. It's always gonna differ based on you know your assets, your circumstances, your family, things like that is what we're gonna look at. Um, but for a typical young family plan of just doing like a testamentary trust in a will, powers of attorney, a funeral planning declaration, you're looking at 2200 Okay. But if you go in for, you need a full living trust, including all those other documents, but it's a, it's a much bigger plan. Um, the most you'll pay is 4,800. Gotcha. Yeah. I really want to like record a video and play it at my funeral. And I think that's the only way I could probably get that done is by doing that. For what? I don't know. I just want to call people out. (laughs) Really stir up the pot a little bit. Well, I think that's outside of your estate, but okay, okay. But it goes into my funeral planning. So, oh, yes, like, I talk to the person. Planning. I'm like, yeah, I want to. Yeah. I want to, like, yeah, yeah. You're the for only sure. person, and, I, and it's kind of an open ended form. Like, you can write in what makes sense for you. Same oh, down thing to the with, catering. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, same thing with um, Indiana. Just revamped all of their medical directives. So prior to actually just this year, we were ranked at like the very bottom for advanced medical directives. But as of July 1, we have new forms now. <clears throat> so even if you have an estate plan that done that was done prior to this July, this last July of 2022, you technically have outdated forms. And so, you know, you should give your attorney a call to say, hey, you know, should I be coming back in to get new advanced medical directives? It doesn't invalidate those forms if you already have them. They're still legally enforceable. But the new forms are just so much better and they give so much more clarity to what, you know, end of life might mean to you. So you can, you know, physically write out for yourself what does quality of life mean? Does it mean sitting up in bed and watching the Bears game and knowing what's going on? Or does it mean, you know, being able to walk? Or does it mean, you know, things like that, that you can kind of define for yourself and also write in, like, I do want to receive, you know, artificially supplied nutrition and hydration. I do want to receive life support, keep me alive at all costs or only keep me alive until this one point or, you know, this is how I want to be made comfortable. I don't want to take this drug. Do not give me this. You get to really personalize what it means to you. And it gives a lot of clarity to people that might need to use it. So out of curiosity, when you're doing the medical, like clear, like the clarification and you're, you've got all this listed out, let's say you're on your deathbed. How does that information get given to the doctors and the family? Is that like up to you guys at that point? Do you no, know what I'm saying? So it, let's assume that this person that we're talking about is on their deathbed and they've previous okay if you're on your deathbed and you've previously filled out this form right you already have advanced medical directives and now you're in a situation where you need to use them whomever you have listed as your healthcare representative or your healthcare power of attorney they should have a copy of that document okay because they're making your medical decisions for you if you're unavailable to Gotcha. So this isn't like we're in a room, we decide all this, then it just like the information never leaves the room. Like it's no, up to you're me appointing at that point. someone to make those decisions, and then you're giving them a handbook of what you would have wanted. Gotcha. Okay, totally makes sense. Yeah. For some reason, that didn't equate when you were saying that earlier. Because then, when the doctor comes in and they're you know explaining things, and there's a room full of people. Oh yeah, been in that room. They're looking at one person who's appointed. 
Yeah. And he that has w- the authority to make those decisions. And that's really the only person that needs to speak on their behalf. And I've been in that room, man. That room is not fun. Right. Not fun. I mean, it was, it was like my mom, I had probably like, really they were looking at her, but then she was looking at us. Yeah. It was just a tough she valued room. your opinion. For sure. Right. For sure. And now we got a democratic way of handling this happening in organically, you know? Right. Um, and I don't, I'm not a lawyer. Or I mean, I'm not a doctor. So it's like, I, and my brother is neither, neither is she. So we're all just trying to make sense of what yeah. it is. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of times too, and you know, a multiple sibling house, if it is the second spouse that is incapacitated and you have to make decisions for, you got to mm. pick someone to do it so that you're not getting both brothers outside of the room arguing. Right on. You've given the authority to somebody. That was one thing I was really glad for in ours that happened without legal um, component was that once, like we made a lot of the medical decisions during the day, but once we knew that he wasn't making it through the night, Mm -hmm. we brought in his brother and his sister and like, we were all like, when, so like, are we pulling the plug? We need all of us on the same page, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And that was nice. Well, that's because of a family dynamic. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Which is nice. Yeah. It's always nice when people are getting along. It is. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's just, tough no matter what. So without having the added level of animosity, it goes a lot smoother. Crazy. Mm-hmm. So if anybody's listening, if I cannot watch a Bears game and I'm completely incapacitated, yeah, end it. <laughs> completely end it. <laughs> so do you, is there anything else on your notes you want to go into here? Um, that you'd like to get across. This won't be your last appearance ever, Morgan. I'm no? hoping this is becoming like, you know, ask the, ask the legal expert. Ask <laughs> the legal expert. Yeah. Yeah, we could do an episode on probate, on guardianship. Let's this go. This is just on estate planning. Okay. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I just want to make more normal the conversation around estate planning. It's about your lifetime too, not just your death. Right on. And I think the biggest takeaway for me in this so far has just been like, and maybe because I just care about like what happens after, you know, I pass, but it, I think it's just to like keep the peace behind you. That is like yeah. so important, you know, cause yeah. it's like, that's the worst case scenario. And not a lot of people think about that. It's wild. Cause you just assume your kids are going to get along. Yeah. You just think it's going to be an easy conversation. Yeah. And the next thing you know, they're fighting over my Ken Griffey Jr. Rookie card, you know, yeah. Yeah. it's like, that's not what was planned. Yeah. So where can people contact you? Getting get like uh, I don't think you have to give out your personal cell phone. No. <laughs> From a law side. I try to make phone. the habit not to. Yeah. Those smart, boundaries you're talking smart. about. You've been buffering me lately, so I know it's not I a great. Not. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. So I am at Odrobanak and Novacek. We are on the corner of 30 and 41 right now, but soon to be the corner of Summit and Maryville Road. Right next to the old Buddy and Pals, if right you're familiar with that. Right next to the old Buddy and Pals. That's right. I'm super excited about that. I'm um, myself and then also the owner of the law firm, Amy Novacek, also lives in Crown Point. So I think we're really excited to be closer to the community we actually live in although we do you know service all of northwest indiana we've met some really great people and it's nice to have a large client base that way and amy's super nice too i met her during that speaker thing she was so nice yeah everyone i work with is really cool so um in my office full-time we have myself 
um, attorney Corey Mathis and then attorney Amy Novacek. Um, and then we have two of counsel attorneys, Jack Odrobinak, who is the founder of the firm, and then America McAlpin. And then we have an office in West Lafayette run by Laura Vogler, who's also awesome. Um, and I am, in terms of, you know, young family planning, I'd like to think that I'm super approachable. So if you have any questions at all, you know, give me a call. But our um, website is, I think it's odrobnaclawpc.com or odrobnaclaw.com. How do you spell odrobnak? O-D-R-O-B-I-N-A-K. Perfect. Yeah. Or our number is 219-865-2285. Perfect. Well, thank you, Morgan. This has <laughs> been fun. It's been fun to capture actually one of our conversations forever. I know. I feel like we talk about this all the time because I have all these crazy stories. Hypothetical <laughs> stories. Hypothetical, yes. There's no details exchanged <laughs> no. inside those conversations, but it's all. It always seems hypothetical. Yeah. And I think it's just like been awesome knowing you because I can always just call you up and ask you this random stuff for myself. Yeah, and I think... Um, our firm as a whole, that's kind of our mantra is we're not transactional, we're relationship based. So even after, you know, the estate plan is done, we do actually every two years ask that you come in for a review appointment and they're totally free. Just sit down with us. Let's go through what you have because some people they sign it and then, you know, you get your binder of all your documents and then you leave and you forget what you did. And you're like, wait, what did I do? And <laughs> Did I need to go back to the bank and retitle things and change things? And the answer is sometimes yes. So, you know, it's a good habit of coming back every couple of years. Let's see if things changed. Um, you know, call me if you have any questions, if your bank has a question, things like that. So we're very relationship based. Awesome. Yeah. And I could tell, from, I mean, I met Amy and you're awesome. So, I mean, I'm sure the rest of them are just as great. Thanks. <laughs> um, but thank you again for doing this. This is awesome. Yeah. And um, yeah, go check out that stuff. If you have any more questions for estate planning or any of that, um, feel free to contact us at local219.tv. Contact at local219.tv is a better email for me instead of my personal one because that gets a little complicated sometimes. Um, but other than that, um, if you did like this interview, we had a psychic on. <laughs> two nights ago um so check out the interview with sean and gina johns if you're interested in any of that stuff because i thought it'd be really fun to do a, a one of, with a psychic about energy and mental and spiritual health and then now we're ripping off estate planning i think that was kind of a fun transition just wait till the next transition of outer space <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you for listening follow us on all platforms and we'll talk to you soon